0: Block Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. Between. You gotta spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down to the minimum half-faith, a pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene.
1: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you, our listening audience, with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and wealth consciousness challenges and solutions. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute, along with your co-host, Monica Renee, and I would say of Topics and Issues, but... Uh, Monica is going to be doing a new show, so um, along with your co-host, Monica Renee. Hey, Monica, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Katrina? I'm good. And what's the name of your show going to be called? I forgot, Monica. The show is going to be
0: called The World According to Monica Renee, and it's airing on Voice and Radio, um, and that's premiering February 16th at 8 p.m
1: yay okay all right awesome um well monica today um i'm very excited um we have a special guest um jacqueline warren and jackie um i want to thank you for um for coming on the show today thank you Um, for having me you're welcome and um you know, Jackie, as she's known to her, her family and friends, is a 48-year-old African-American female. She's married, um, has two adult children and two grandchildren. She has a career in the health care industry, and she enjoys what she does for a living. What makes Jackie unique um, is that she's lived with mental illness all her life. You see, her father has a diagnosis of uh, mental illness and has lived with bipolar, manic depression, and schizophrenia with uh, homicidal tendencies ever since Jackie can remember. Um, Jackie, she's going to invite us today on her journey uh, through living uh, with a parent who has mental illness. Um, She will discuss the fear the fears, anger, disappointments, confusion, and often shame that clouds the lives of those who suffer with mental illness as well as those who are in their world. Um, We will learn how she um, has had to find resources and, and safe accommodations for her father as he progresses through the aging stages of his life. Um, and she will also share with us some, some self-help tips uh, that has helped her to maintain her, her uh, stability and, and basically her sanity, um, you know, throughout this uh, relationship and, and, and uh, journey that, uh, that she's taken with, um, you know, with her dad. So, Jackie, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on our show today. Again, um, just so
2: excited to be here
1: thank you Jackie and um you know i thought that um, this would be a really good show topic because you know there are there are so many uh, families um who are, who have loved ones um who have mental health issues and um often feel isolated um often feel like they have no voice um they have nowhere to turn and you know when when you you know um, we you and I we've known each other um, for some time and and I just have appreciated you sharing your story and, and your journey um, through the ups and downs of, of um, you know living with uh, someone with mental illness and I just really believe I've always believed and, and I do believe that your story um, can help a lot of our our listeners. Um, so, Jackie, yeah, I, I want to start off. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm sorry, Monica. I agree
0: with that because a lot of people that actually have loved ones that suffer from mental illness, they don't really understand it. So, Jackie, mm-hmm. I'm really thankful for you doing this show with us today. I really am.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you very much. Um, Katrina, mm-hmm. were you about to ask the question?
1: Yeah, I I want to start off by asking you to to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um,
2: I am a very positive black woman. I try to, uh, you know, give positive words of encouragement and wisdom to others as I go through life, this journey called life. Um. But I, uh, as you've already told the audience, I have two adult daughters and I have two grandsons. Um, I'm married and I work in the healthcare field and I'm trying to pursue my education to be a, uh, a little more effective in human, human service management in the community. Hmm.
0: Okay Okay, Jackie so I'm going to ask you This question um, because the show Is about um, you know mental Illness when did you you Recognize that something was Different about your father when did You first recognize
2: it The very first Memory that I have is um, When I was about five or six Years old and I remember My father being away from the Household for I don't know how many Days but he was coming home, and it was christmas, and he was coming home for a a stay just for that day and so that's my first memory because when he came home, I knew it was like it wasn't my dad, it was someone else, but that was the first time I' had ever seen him on medication
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um. You know, when and and how did you find out um, exactly, you know, what your father's um, condition or diagnosis was? Um, I want to
2: say around 1992, I became more just hungry for knowledge. Um, I had just moved back to Cleveland, and um, my father had another family. Cause he and my mom divorced. When I was a teenager, but he was he was starting a new family, and he was not taking his medication when I got moved back up here and so I decided at that point that I wanted to become more knowledgeable about you know the the condition he had and to try to help him. That was my initial uh You know, that's what I wanted to do in the beginning. And then as I started speaking with his physicians and case managers, social workers, I realized that I could not, you know, it wasn't something that was going to go away, but I wanted to have as much information around this subject as possible so that I could help him help himself.
0: Okay. Okay. Okay, so, Jackie, when your dad's behavior actually started to change and you noticed something was wrong, how was it living in the home with them at that time?
2: Well, when I I was growing up, you know, I knew there was something wrong. Um, My mother and other close relatives, grandparents and aunts and uncles, used to always say he would have a nervous breakdown. And he would go to the VA hospital in Brexfield and um, he would be gone for like sometimes a few weeks, sometimes months. Um, but prior to him getting to the hospital when he wasn't taking his medication, you know, you could have be having a very normal moment. He was a big practical joker. He liked to play jokes on people. So you may be in the midst of a practical joke and would would normally be funny, he's looking at you with a straight face and he's not laughing, and then would come to fear because you never knew from that point where his behavior was going to take us all. You know, we just never knew. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there was violence. He never, he didn't really um, display physical violence against me or my brother um, in the household, but he and my mom did have some, um, issues sometimes It wasn't often But um, he would just become very
1: Belligerent And
2: everything was mm. If you said turn left He said turn right And then he would You know take you on this Sermon almost As to tell you why And then you would realize That as he's talking He's not making Logical sense You know His stories just don't add up, you know, and it was just very, it was fearful, you know, because you just, and I didn't realize Mm -hmm. it while I was going through it. It was just what we did to get through it until a lot of times my mom would have to call some of his male relatives, cousins or, you know, whatnot, to come and take him to the hospital. You know, we always, she always would try to talk him into going on his own, but if he resisted and became belligerent, you know, verbally with her, then she would, she would know, okay, he's not going to go on his own. I have to call somebody to try to get, him, get them to take him,
1: you know. And there were a
2: few occasions where the police were involved, you know, because he would mm-hmm. just act out so badly. And most of the time back then it was at home. It wasn't so much out in public, at least if it was, I didn't know about it. So mm-hmm. that's what it was think. like growing up.
1: Mm. So it sounds like I hear you saying that um, Your dad was in in and out of the hospitals Um, Mm -hmm. In what ways Did your dad's hospital visits Affect you um, As you were growing up
2: Um, I was angry I was embarrassed But uh, uh, more than anything else I think I was sad Because you know Mm -hmm. Being the first Born, I guess we had a very, very close relationship, so I had seen him at his best, and then to turn around and see him so low at his worst, you know, where he was totally not in control, being medicated, you know, um, it was very conflicting, very conflicting. All those emotions would come on me sometimes at the same time, sometimes you know, at different times. I didn't know how to explain to my friends that my father wasn't home, you know, and wasn't going to be home for weeks. You know, I just didn't. So we, I, I just tried to keep the secret as long as I
0: could. Mm. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Jackie. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we are, you only get one father. You only get one mother. And um, you love mm-hmm. them no matter whatever it is that they're going through. But uh, how, was, how, how did your father's, Behavior over the years affect your relationship with, like, your paternal family?
2: It it was very, it was strange because we were a very close-knit family. My grandmother had nine mm-hmm. siblings, so there were ten of them, and, you know, of course, they're extended families. And we used to get together periodically quite often. Um, but as I became, I want to say, like, teenager, maybe 12, 13, mm-hmm. I just felt different, and I don't know if it was me or that I had reason to feel that way, but I felt different at those settings because, especially if it was during a time where my father was on medication and a lot of the family wasn't used to seeing him that way, um, or if he was right on the verge of, you knew he had stopped taking it, but he was still acting normal. He was cool. My father was just, he was always like, And I'm talking, I keep saying my father was because during this time he was a certain way, but he just doesn't revisit that anymore. Um, But he is well and alive. But um, it was just strange because you felt like it was this big elephant in the room and you don't know who all knows Mm. about it. And you feel like, you know, you're being treated a little differently like by first cousins. But really I probably wasn't, but I felt that way, you know. And so it was always kind of tense because you always say, oh, God, what if they feel this way about him or what if they feel that way? And that was when I was younger. But as I became an adult, you know, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, when I was 15, and I came back, excuse me, I want to say I was about 28, 29. And when I came back, I tried to reconnect with a lot of that family that was still here. And... Mm -hmm. Over the years, because my father, at least this is how I felt, over the years, my father had a lot of incidents where family was involved and, you know, it wasn't a very positive environment. And I just didn't know how they felt about it. And I talked to some, but it made for a little distance between us. And it's probably a combination of the fact of things my father has done over the years to the to the family members, and on mm-hmm. top of the fact that I was not here for like thirteen, fourteen years, so we were getting to know each other again. But it's still it's still distant. You know, I, I can count on probably both my hands relatives that I'm comfortable around on that side of the family. You
1: mm-hmm. so, know. You know what, well, Jackie, um, as you're talking, I, I just wanna, you know, take time again to say, you know, thank you so much for for sharing your story, your story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because these are some really um intimate and personal um details that you're you're talking to us about and um I I'm just really appreciative because as you're talking, mm-hmm it reminds me of the things that go on in um, in, in families, um, you, know, is, um, you know, where there is dysfunction, you know, where there's dysfunction. You don't mm-hmm. talk, you don't tell, uh, you know, you just don't, you know, you, you, it's the elephant, you know, you said it so, so eloquently, it's like the elephant in the living room and, and nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody sees it, but... But um, you know, nobody wants to talk about it. Um and right. um Yeah, um and, and I've shared with you that I you know, I just really believe that uh, this interview is gonna help. You know, there 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 are people out here that, that feel isolated and alone and um you know, I do believe that this uh interview is just gonna help a lot of people. Um, but Man. I wanna ask you, Jackie um, how has your father's um, condition affected your relationship with men? Okay,
2: um, I would say the best way to describe that would be when you grow up in a in an atmosphere um, where everything appears to be normal, but you know it's not normal, and you behave a certain way. When I first started having relationships um, with guys, you know, young men, guys or whatnot, I always was afraid of being abandoned. And I think that mm-hmm. comes from every time my father would go in the hospital, you know, I, I would automatically have to shift my emotions, um, my behavior, things I say or certain things I could say, couldn't say, you know. And so I would always abandoned when he was gone and even when he would come home when he was heavily medicated. Um, and so when I started having relationships with men, I think I unintentionally sabotaged a few relationships because due to the fear of being abandoned, you know, it was more uh, of a self-protective thing like, you know, Well he's doing this and he's doing that And I don't like that So I'm just going to exit this relationship I'm not going to try to solve it I'm not going to try to figure out why It's affecting me the way it is I'm just going to move on And so I you know Terminated some relationships Early in my adult life That I probably Looking back now At least would have liked to explore Why certain behaviors were happening You know and um i don't know it just it's it's been very it's been a very rocky road <laughs> in that area but now that and, and i would say it was that way for a long time until i realized oh. that i had to figure out who jackie was and what made jackie why did why did i feel the way i felt in certain environments especially with other men with men and so that has helped me identify certain things that, you know, it's given me my boundaries in relationships because now I know why I do certain things or why I react a certain way. And so that has given me or has put me on the path to um, know what I want in a relationship and what what I will tolerate and what I will not tolerate, you know. And then there's other things that I can honestly say to my mate or, you know, even in my relationships with my children. um, This is just something, this is something that, this is a problem I have. It's not your problem. It's my problem. But because I feel the way I feel or it makes me feel a certain way, I'm going to remove myself from the environment, you know. Um, And essentially that's it. I, I I took a long journey, you know, to get where I am today in relationships. Um, always wanted to be married. My parents were very happy, for the most part, you know. And I always wanted to mimic that in my life, so I never gave up, <laughs> you know.
0: But here I am today, still standing.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Jack. Yeah. Um, Monica, Monica, Monica. Before you before you go to the next question um i just want to um mm-hmm. i just want to comment on on um something that you said Jackie when you were talking about you had sabotaged a, a few relationships because of you know abandonment issues and and when you were talking what i was hearing was you know i'm going to i'm going to get rid of you before you get rid of me you know exactly. um so that's that's interesting you know that's interesting um and it's interesting that um uh you know uh, many of our childhood situations um can can bring in us or can de- can uh de- can allow us to develop abandonment issues mm-hmm. um so you know that i just wanted to comment on that's interesting all right monica
0: <laughs> okay jackie i was going to ask you um you talked about, you know, how you uh, dealt with some of the things that you went through with your dad's mental illness. I wanted to know, how did your mom deal with uh, some of the episodes that your dad had?
2: Um, you know, I would say I didn't really start paying attention to that until probably ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere in there. My mother would become very withdrawn with everyone, you know, Um, but she would try to be, uh, what's the best word, be strong in her, in in what she spoke to him, when she spoke to him verbally, she would try to be strong and get, you know, steer him in the right direction as far as, you know, getting some help, but then at the same time, she she would withdraw, and, you know, the smiles, she, she, she was a person that laughed a lot, you know, all that would disappear. And it would become just strictly business because I think for her, and, I, you know, she and I talked about this later in life, um, but for her it was more, okay, I don't have that that rock. You know, I don't have that person to lean on. He's about to be where in the hospital or whatnot. For now I have to become strictly business because I have to hold mm-hmm. things up and make things appear to be okay and to be okay as much as we possibly can until, you know, he comes back and goes through the medication phase and then gets to a a point where he's leveled off. So she would flip back and forth with that. And I know, you know, I honestly can say I know that took a toll on her health. You know, she didn't take Mm. care of herself the way she should have, you know, and that's a whole other topic um, for a show. Mm. (laughs) Uh, but she mm. neglected mm. herself, but she did everything she could to protect my, my brother and I, you know. We didn't deal with relatives a lot because my mother didn't like to tell lies, so it was easier for her just to not say anything, you know. And so she we would all be kind of shut off from everybody during that time, mm. you know, and I'm, I'm sure there were other reasons, but, you know, I'm, it was very difficult for her,
1: very difficult. Wow. Hmm. And, you know, um, Jackie, I, I think you and I may have talked a lot about, um, about energy um, and being able to recognize when our energy, you know, when your energy is high and when your energy is, is low. And I can only imagine that, that you, know, when you're dealing, you know, when you're dealing with someone who is, um, you know, unstable, um, mm-hmm. that it takes a lot of energy you know, it takes a lot of energy out of you. Um, you know, just, you know, when I think of just taking care of kids and having a family and, you know, having a career and just those kind of, you know, day-to-day issues um, mm-hmm. and how much energy it takes, you know, anything out of the ordinary, um, you know, I, it just, I can only imagine that it just it saps um, even more energy um, than you would normally use, you know. And it then does. we don't have a what? hmm And then I heard you speak of isolation. So a lot of times when you don't have those avenues to be able to reconnect or to to get a, to uh, get a refuge or break, um, you know, you you can, you know, it, it can. I can only imagine that it can emotionally, you know, deplete you. And uh, how it could begin to affect other areas of your life, you know, like your health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it does. Wow. It's very draining. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Jackie, can you can you share with us um, one of your most uh, frightening incidents that that you um, you know, experienced um, you know, dealing with um, you know, your dad and and uh, you know his uh, mental illness. Oh, there are so many. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, I will tell you there was an incident that happened in 1992. Um, I had just moved back here from Atlanta with my two kids, and I was staying with my grandmother. And my father's um, girlfriend at the time was about to have their first child together. And they came over. Um, My father, his girlfriend, and her son came over to my grandmother's. And I don't know if I was there when they came. I think I was there when they came. But anyway, my father left. And so at the time, his girlfriend was about seven or eight months pregnant. And she, you know, you're pregnant, you're uncomfortable. She was ready to go home, but he wasn't back. And so I told her, I'll take you home, you know, it's no problem. And we got in the car, and as we were leaving down, going down my grandmother's street, my father was coming, you know, from the opposite direction. And at the time, I really didn't know for sure, because we weren't living together, whether he was taking his, you know, I didn't know what my idea of him, I think at that time I knew he wasn't taking medicine, Um, but he hadn't really, acted out around me, so no big deal. So we see him coming from the opposite direction and I don't know, I can't remember if he motioned for us to pull over, but we pulled over, he turned around and when he drove up he just was telling his girlfriend to get out the car and he started talking to us crazy and cussing and we were both looking like oh no, you know, and so knowing that I've been living with this. I I realized at that point that she had been dealing with it, you know, and the kind of effect it was having with her. And I just took off. I drove and he chased us and I drove all the way from East Seventy Ninth Street, East Seventy Ninth and Cedar to a hundred and five where they used to have a mini police station. And I pulled into their parking lot and just laid on the horn, and he came roaring in behind us. You know, he kind of tapped the car when he pulled in. But the police came running out, and I'm trying to explain to them, you know, my father. We've been on a he's been chasing us, you know, through the city for the last however many minutes. But I don't know what he's capable of right now. And it was just really scary. And he gets out the car, and he's making all these accusations. And I'm begging them, please, just take him to Wade Park or VA please just take him to the hospital. You know, don't take him to jail. Don't hurt him. Just take him to the hospital. But that was scary. And that was my first realization that he could hurt somebody or somebody can hurt him, and this can turn into a whole nother issue. You know, we could be talking assault felonious assault, murder, I just don't know, and I was scared. I was probably the most afraid I had ever been around him because growing up, you don't think to those extremes. But by this time, I'm, almost, you know, I'm close to 30 years old, so I know what can happen. And it was scary. It was very scary. And that was the pivoting point for me, you know, and that's when I realized I got to I have to get help for him. And still not knowing what to do, but, you know, I got I started becoming very involved with his health care.
0: So that, that is very, very scary. scary it is. That is very, very, scary. very scary. Let me ask you this, Jackie. Now that your dad is older... Um, mm-hmm. how is he doing with the medications and the compliance of his behavior
2: now? How is he doing now? Well, he's taking medication because he's being made to take medication every day, but he had the opportunity about seven years ago to do it on his own, in a, like in a group home setting, and he was totally noncompliant. He may have taken his medication for three weeks, maybe a month. And then right back to the same behaviors, you know, not taking the meds, and by the time, you know, you go through a whole another month or so before you actually realize he's not taking them because they've worn off now. And those medications are very, very, very strong. And so if you don't, the best way, I guess, to describe it, sometimes you get medicine, you have to wean yourself off of it. You can't abruptly stop taking it. These medications are often like that, and so because he's gone for years of being off and on, off and on, off and on, it started. It has uh, affected him physically. You know, he's not able to walk anymore. The muscles in his legs just don't work. He's had physical therapy, and you know, he's done a lot of different things, but now he's just not able to. Um, he's not ambulatory because. Uh, of the non compliance of the medication over the years, you know. And he's still mm. delusional. Um I don't like them to keep him so doped up that he's not responsive. So, you know, we we came to a medium where he can uh have medication enough to be social if he chooses to be. But, you know, he still he still has the delusions. Um So he's not taking his medication. He does have outbursts of negative behavior, you know, but he's in a a nursing home setting now. So, you know, there are people there around the clock to watch him and monitor him and, you know, to deal with that.
1: And and I know, Jackie, um, I remember when when you were beginning to um, look for safe places um, for your dad to be so that he wouldn't hurt himself and he wouldn't hurt somebody else. And and I can just remember that you had a hard time. You really, it was a struggle for you to really find um, the right type of environment that would really be able to accept him um, mm-hmm. and, and that he would feel comfortable in. And I just, I could just remember you having all these Conflicting emotions, um, and having to wear all of these different hats, just with um, you know, just with trying to, you know, just with being his caregiver at that point, and, and, and trying to figure out um, you know where can I, you know where can I send him that he'll be safe? Where can I send him that he'll be happy? You know where can I send him? That um, you know that I know that he'll get that you know he'll get the care that he needs. So, you know, I mean, there was just all these uh, questions that um, you know that you you know just had to search and search and search and search and, and find the answer to. And um, I just remember that that particular journey, and um, you know, it was just was not um, it was not easy. You know, it was not easy, and the resources were not readily available to you. I remember that. Um, Yeah, I really remember that. And I I say that because, um, you know, again, I know that there are a lot of people who are dealing with family members who have mental illness and, you know, just have no clue as to where to turn or what to do. And, and, and do feel that isolation and, and um, you know, despair and hopelessness. And hopelessness. Um, and, and hopelessness. Uh, you know, there are people with children with mental illness. Uh, it's just, just rough, just rough. So um, on, on that note, Jackie, uh, what advice would you offer uh, to our listening audience um, who may have family, spouse, Uh, Children or friends With with mental illness
2: Oh wow There's so much Um, But I would start off By saying that You know the first thing To always try to remember And keep in the forefront Is that they're human too And no matter what type of behavior They're displaying They have feelings You know Um, But at the same time If you have a family member or you know someone that you come in contact on a regular basis that has mental illness, educate yourself because that is so helpful with dealing with that person one-on-one. And when I say educate yourself, you know, there are books out there, you know. um, You can go to the library, but you can also get a lot of information from the Department of Health um through through Cuyahoga County or whatever county um they may live in, through city um community service uh organizations. The VA, you know, I was blessed enough that my father is a veteran. And so they have been I I can honestly say the people that I've worked with here recently have been very, very forthcoming with information and support. Um, But try to be as patient as you can with the family member. You have to have some education. Know what your limits are, what you can deal with, what you are not comfortable dealing with, you know, um, and to really try to make sure that they get the best care possible. You know, a lot of times people are not to the extreme that my father is. They may just show, you know, they just may have been diagnosed with one or the other. He happens to have, like, a very complex uh, condition because there's two <laughs> or three diseases at once. And so when you're not to that extreme, it's harder to recognize sometimes. But people just really should be cognizant of what that person is capable of so that you don't put yourself in a position or, you know, not intentionally putting yourself in a position to be harmed in any way. It takes a lot of understanding, a lot of
0: patience.
2: You do have to wear a lot of hats because they will take you on a journey if they're delusional. You know, I found that it's easier to go on their journey with them than to try to pull them back into reality that becomes an uncomfortable situation for all parties involved because they're going to deny it and you're going to try to force them to believe something and then it becomes argumentative, which is the last thing you want to do. Um, Okay. Okay, Jackie. One more piece of advice. Can I I add one mm -hmm. more thing?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
2: Try to keep a... Comical spirit about you, <laughs> try to laugh about as much as you possibly can um that helps me that has helped me with my sanity by laughing about it not in a in a derogatory way, but just keeping keeping your humor about you so that you can get through whatever you may be going through
1: and and I want you to talk a little bit about support systems because one of the things I've always noticed about you, which I, I have found just absolutely amazing, is that you know you've always um, seemed to create for yourself um, a network of family and friends that you can kind of talk to and and and, and um, uh, have in your life at different points at different. Uh, points in your life to be support systems. Can you talk a little bit to that? Um,
2: yeah, I don't know why that, I don't know how that happens, but, you know, <laughs> I don't really surround myself with a lot of people, but I can tell you that my stepmom has been truly very supportive, because there have been times when I knew I could not talk to anybody else that could truly identify, and she could always truly identify with that, and so there have been times when I've been on the brink of falling over that cliff, and I can pick up the phone and call her, and we will laugh about things, you know, and not laughing at him, but just laughing about how I react to him, to things, and, you know... That has helped me tremendously. And then I have great friends, you know, who now that I speak about it openly, you know, they know or, you know, have some kind of idea of what I'm dealing with. Um, And so they do support me by just letting letting me vent or talk or, you know, get things off my chest when I'm trying to get things in order I have been blessed to have good people around me that will kind of steer me in the right direction. Um, my children have been super supportive. They just, they, they know. You know, I've had to talk with them about my dad, and they've even witnessed it. You know, he stayed with us on se- separate occasions where they've been up close with it, and so, you know, they deal with it uh Pretty good, and and they helped me deal with it. Um, My husband is very supportive. That's never been uncomfortable for me, and this is probably the first relationship that I've had as an adult where my father's condition was not uncomfortable as far as me and my mates. And my mother, ooh, my mother was very – when I moved back to Cleveland – and, and first began, uh, you know, questioning his doctors and trying to figure out the best way for, to help him. My mother was the guiding force. There were times when I have been in the emergency room with him at the VA, and he's acting a certain way, and I could pick up the phone uh, and call her, and she would tell me exactly how I needed to behave to calm him down. And that was amazing to me because it had been years since she had dealt with it. Mm -hmm. But she knew that I was going, I was insistent on dealing with it as much as she tried to protect me and my brother from it. She knew that I was insistent on dealing with it, and she wanted somebody to be that way with him because even though they weren't together anymore, she still loved him. You know, I, I think that was hard for her. Um, But she would guide me on how to deal with him, how to calm him down, how to get him in the mood to be agreeable to things that were helpful for him. So it's been amazing. And then there have been family members, you know, others from his family that are supporters. You know, when my grandmother uh, passed away, his mom, my cousin was here from Atlanta, and she rode with me to the nursing home to pick my dad up, and we initially were just going to get him for a viewing, but the weather was really bad, and um, another cousin, one of his, his male first cousins, rode with us, and when we got down there, we realized we were going to have to keep him for the night and actually take him to the service, which was something we did not plan on. But they were very supportive. You know, we, were, we went and rented a hotel suite, we kept my father in the adjoining suite. His cousin, you know, undressed him and dressed him and everything, but we kept him company, me and my cousin Kathy. And it was just a very good time, and I was just so amazed and humbled by their support. It was never a thought that they were going to help me. You know, I didn't really have to ask. I was like, I am I need to go get Dad, and they just jumped right on board. Okay, when we leave him, let's go. You know, and that was great. That was great. So I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful, but it also makes me realize everybody doesn't have the support that I have, which Mm -hmm. is um, one of the reasons I'm very open about talking about it, because you never know. It could be the person right next to you dealing with the same situation, but they don't want to talk about it. But once you open up, you know, it becomes okay. It makes them feel more comfortable. And that's also a reason that I have decided to write a book
1: and I'm working on that as we speak. Okay, and we're going to ask you about that, Jackie. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that. But um, but I want to, you know, um, I want to kind of reiterate the importance of having a support network. And and you were fortunate. You know, you are fortunate enough. You have been fortunate in your journey that you you know you've had a, a, a you know a network from time to time of of, you know, people who, um, you know, who who, you know, kinda helped you through your journey. Um mm-hmm. but I, I do want, um, you know, our listeners or those who may be struggling, um, you know, with this issue to know that there are support groups uh for families, uh, yes, you know, there who are. have loved ones. Mhm. Uh, with mental illness, and, and you know, you uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, the Department of Health is a good resource, a good way to find out about programs in your area. Um, a lot of cities have a, a mental health uh, department, mm-hmm. um, um, but in, in just about every city and state, um, or city and or province, because you know, we may have listeners, you know, listening in, in different countries. Um, right. You know, in in in, 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 in most areas, um, there are um, places, um, you know, public health places that that do, um, you know, provide some type of of resources, uh, and mm-hmm. support, and support. Now, and I just want to in... mm-hmm. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Jackie.
2: This today is a lot different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even 30 years ago. You can pretty much contact any health care provider and start inquiring. Um, most providers now have an arm for behavioral health, and mental illness does fall under that. So it is very accessible, it's much more accessible today than it used to be.
1: That was all I wanted to say. Okay,
0: great. Okay, Jackie, I just wanted to say um, there's a lot of our listeners um, out there who is going through something with a close family member, whether it be mental illness, maybe a drug issue, or any other type of issue. So I just wanted to ask you, what type of things have you done to take care of yourself over the years?
2: Um. I definitely have become more spiritual over the years. That has helped me tremendously. Um, I've gotten to know myself a lot better. Um, You have to know how to take time out for you. No matter how many other people depend on you, I found that the sooner you take time out for you, the better you are, and therefore, the better you can be for others. You can be a a good support for others. Um, I've learned to (laughs) get massages, you know, on a regular basis, uh, and just, you know, you have to take that time to just get away, you know, and also the support, you know, the support is tremendous. There's there's so many things, yeah, but those are the main things that I've done to help myself.
1: All right. And so, Jackie, um, you are in the process of journaling and putting your thoughts on paper for purposes of writing a book of your experiences. Um, And that's something that I'm very excited about, but um, I would like you to share a bit of that with us. Um,
2: well, actually, over the years, you know, um, a lot of conversations I've had with you and others has uh, kind of prompted me to tell this story. The primary reason, you know, would be for others to get a gauge on, you know, different ways to deal with it. It's a very stressful situation. Um but also, you know, just being happy that it's, it's okay to talk about today, you know. I would hate for this to be happening 60 years ago or 70 years ago when it wasn't okay to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, I've been journaling. It's actually been over some years, a couple of years, but I'm getting closer and closer to the point where I'm ready to allow others to read it, and you know, start my journey and search for a publishing company. Um, but you know, it's 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 also very meditative for me. Just telling the story, it's very it's like a cleansing. You know, it just feels so good to be able to share it finally because for so many years it was something you didn't want to share.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, Jackie, um, I know that I, for one, am am looking forward, um, you know, to you writing this book um, based on your experiences, and I know that um, it's going to be a great resource, again, for others, who feel in the dark, who feel that fear, who feel that isolation, who feel that embarrassment and that that shame you know that comes with um you know having a loved one again um with mental illness, and I'm glad to hear you say that um you know it's okay to talk about it, you know it's yeah. okay to take care of yourself um you know it's okay to um to get the support that 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 you need um and then I appreciate you sharing that story with us, your story well, with thank us. You. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jackie, are there any um, last words that you'd like to um, leave with our, our audience um, today? Um, just, you
2: know, I want to reiterate those qualities that it takes. Be able to handle that, something, you know, or someone in your family or someone you know. You know, always remember to be very patient and try to educate yourself as much as possible, you know, to exactly what they're going through because they are human and they do have feelings, you know. Their personalities play a big part in the direction that their illness goes, but just love them.
1: Thanks, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. All right, Monica, any last words, Monica? No, I think you summed it up pretty well, Katrina. Okay,
0: great. Thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us. Thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us, sharing your story with us and actually giving advice to the listening audience that may
2: be going through the same thing. I just wanted to say thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Monica. Thank you very much. Your questions were very insightful, and I just thank you both for the opportunity to be able to share this, and I hope that someone's listening that, you know, can relate and take some of this to
1: heed, and it'll help them. Okay, and we'd we'd love to invite you back when you write that book. Okay. (laughs) That's a deal. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we are um, going to bring this edition of uh, Positively Affirmative to a close, and uh, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for tuning in to another edition of Positively Affirmative. This is the show where we affirm you with education, information, and resources in the areas of self-care, career development, business building, and Wealth Consciousness, Challenges, and Solutions. If you like our show, spread the good news and tell a friend. You can also email us with topics you'd like to hear about at kjones at prosperitylifecoach.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.30 p.m. I am your host, Katrina Jones, Prosperity Life Coach of Satari Life Skills Institute, along with your co-host, Monica Renee, of what is the name of your new show, Monica? Don't worry. I, <laughs> I thought you was going to say topics and issues.
0: Say that again, Monica. It's called The World According to Monica
1: Renee. The World According to Monica Renee. And and we can view your show uh, Where? VoiceInRadio.com Okay, and what time, When when will you be airing? That's going to air February sixteenth, and that's a Saturday at eight pm. Okay, and your your show is internet based. Is that correct?
0: Yes, like a serious uh, radio.
1: Okay, great, great. All right, everybody. Um. Jackie, have have a have a great week and abundant blessings to you. And the same to you. Thank you. And Monica, you have a great week also. Okay. Uh, you too. Okay. Blessings.
0: Blessings. Don't mess with Mister In Between. Don't mess with Mr.